Hey, good people. This is your NI Dom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey. In order to grow in your ability as a business leader, you must change. This is basically an empirical law. There are no exceptions to this. Before you change, it is wise to understand that any change is accompanied with a certain level of disruption. This is also an empirical law. The amount of change you go through is directly proportional to the level of disruption you experience. And with any disruption, there's always discomfort. In fact, the level of disruption is proportional to the level of discomfort that you will feel. So this doesn't seem like a very compelling reason to grow. It appears that growth is something to avoid if you don't want to experience discomfort or disruption. However, if you want to experience opportunity and reward, you must experience disruption and discomfort. And this is the final component of the growth cycle. Um, Seasons of growth, change, disruption, and discomfort culminate in opportunity and reward. The greater your period of growing, the greater the new opportunities will be. Transformational growth. That's my starting place today, y'all. Transformational growth. I just read the introduction to an article that was written for business executives. Um, Not because I was looking for this article as a growing executive. You know that I'm bivocational. Um, I was uh, looking for something that would talk about the evolutionary um, um, role, what um, um, growth and evolution, basically. And this is one of the articles that came up. So there were there are two stories that I want to share with you um, that inspire that are inspiring this particular reflection. Uh, two conversations I had this week. One was really, really, really difficult. Um, and as soon as I give you context, you'll understand it. Um, but it led me to this conversation around growth. When I took a look at my podcast to see if I've ever done an episode on growth, guess what I found out? There are 10 times, 10 times that I've named an episode with the word growth in it. <laughs> and two times where the episode is strictly called growth. I didn't know I had a repeat. I have two episodes called growth. I was like, I can't do that again. So let's talk about another word. Is it, what else can we say? And I was like, change? I was like, no, I don't want to do change. Evolution? Hmm. So anyway, so this is what we're going to talk about. This article is going to be a really good uh, anchor for me um, as we talk about growth that requires discomfort. Um, and, uh, uh, the rewards that will come if we allow for the discomfort. All right. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the any, um, let's say that again. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as um, an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 
30 years, half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets of critical race feminism, which means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited and it is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. This is take three, y'all. This is the third time I'm attempting this reflection. So I'm going to be really honest with you. My relationship with it is different because it's take three. So I got up this morning at four with this weight on me um, from the conversations that I had this week. One in particular. The second one feels weighty because of the implications of the first one. I'm going to give that to you in a second. Just hold tight. So I, was, I woke up thinking about those two conversations and the weight that was on me. The, and the so what? <sighs> then I went through a little bit of feeling despair about it. Like, I don't even know how to, I don't even know what I'm going to do with that because it just felt heavy. And then I was like, well, I could, let me go to the podcast and let me, let me unpack this. Just wasn't ready to get up out of the bed, but I picked up my phone and started scrolling and I ran across a video that really spoke to what I think is connected to the weightiness of the conversations that I had this week. There's a video by the young lady. Um, her name is Lijo or Lindsay. She's a YouTube content generator. She's an INTJ. I'm about 99.9% sure of that. And um, so I listened to it. And actually, I listened to it twice. Because in that video, she's talking about the kind of the push-pull of FE and FI. FE users and FI users. And I really like that how she talks about being a user. So FI is not in the top of my stack. As an INTJ, FI is tertiary for me. FI is standing uh, for um, introverted feeling. If you don't know Myers-Briggs jargon, I'm going to ask you to go get a cheat sheet because I don't really explain that. I just kind of go with it. But um, introverted feeling is third for my me and my stack, and it's not in the top of the stack. So oftentimes, when it's not on top of your stack, we don't often identify with it, which can get us in trouble. Okay. So she, in this video, she's talking about being an FI user. When it's in your functional stack, the top four, that's your functional stack. You are using it. You are choosing to use it as opposed to the other four that are in, that are in your shadow stack. Okay. So I was like, wow, that's weird that the universe would pull that video up because I think that this is exactly what I was dealing with. I was in a conversation, that first one that was difficult. I was in a conversation with three people who were FE users. Um, one actually might be an FI user at the top of the stack, but I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure. She may be an FI user, but um, at the top of the stack, which means she's first. Nope, it's not. It would mean the second. I don't know. She doesn't. 
she's also a Anyway, I'm going to get lost. So let's just say, I don't, I think she might be an Effie user, but let's just, for the sake of, it's really that, doesn't matter. It was a difficult conversation. <laughs> they were all feelers. We could say that. They were all feelers. <laughs> and two of them, for a fact, are Effie users. I think that third one is as well. But anyway, so when I saw this video from Line Joe this morning, I'm like, oh, I got to listen to that. It is a short video too. I listened to it twice. I have since done a YouTube reflection or YouTube response to it. It's not uploaded yet, but it is recorded. So hopefully that'll get, by the time you listen to me today in, in this video, it'll be uploaded on my YouTube channel, Your NI Dom. So go check it out. So I give more details about what that, how I'm really, how I really connected to, to, to the content. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to tear here. Hold on a second. So after I did that, I was prepared to come onto the podcast to tell the story because I wanted to tell the story in that YouTube response, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't squeeze it into the 15 minutes that I allow for that. So I started recording on the podcast. I got 18 minutes in and something happened with the phone. And um, I've been spending the whole day wrestling with that. I finally just stopped, went for a walk, and now I'm back. I literally woke up this morning at 4.30. I started trying to record the podcast episode at 9, about 9.15, and now it is 3.20, okay? So the whole day, the whole day I've been like either trying to record it, responding to some other content, I've done nothing. Well, I did, I did do my walk, so I walked four miles. I finally had to just get out and walk. I'm I'm back trying to re trying to record this. The problem is, this is what's happened. That 18 minute clip, I was processing. So my relationship to the two stories I wanted to tell you is different than it was when I first tried to record it because I've already started processing it. In my four minute four mile walk, a friend of mine called me, and I've been able to process the two conversations with her too. And I'm feeling a little different about the two conversations than I did when I first started, but I am determined. I'm determined to get this recorded. So even though my relationship to the two conversations, they're slightly different. I still want to record it all the same. Okay. All right. Just want to kind of give that to you a little bit. Let me, let me tell you the story. I thought I was going to come on here this morning and talk about deep insecurities. Like I seriously, because that's what conversation number one brought up for me. Deep insecurities. And I'm still going to share that with you, but I don't think that that is the final takeaway. The final takeaway, I think, is about growth and discomfort and hopefully rewards and opportunities based on that article. So we're going to start with insecurity. We're going to move to change, disruption and discomfort. And I'd love to end with opportunities. 
and rewards. I don't know if that's what's going to happen in the reflection, but that's what I would, I would like to do, but we'll see where the reflection takes me. Okay. All right. So today is Saturday on Thursday. I'm in a meeting. This is work related. And Saturday, uh, Thursday, I was at a meeting and some final decisions were being made. I was pulled into this meeting, not because I really believe, no, I was pulled into this meeting uh, really against my judgment. I don't believe I should have had to, I didn't believe I was needed in that meeting, but somebody else felt I should be there. So she insisted for me on me being there. And I have, I choose my battles. I had, I've avoided other meetings. So I was like, fine. There was somebody else that was going to be in that meeting that reports to me. And I did not want her having to deal with this person. So I went to the meeting to deal with the person. So the person who reports to me didn't have to deal with her. Okay. So while I'm in this meeting, some decisions were being, going to be made um, to be established. They were big decisions fairly big about something that's coming up. I don't want to get into the details of that. Well, in this, in this decision, race comes up. Now the organization I work for, that's part of the job, the work that we do, which is ironic because not many people have the competencies to talk about race. It's a really weird thing. So the organization decided some years ago that it was going to start addressing race. But not many people have the capacity to talk about race in a way that's constructive for our, what is called what would be called our end user. The 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 purpose we we serve a purpose in the so in the social world. For, the, for a group of people, for children. Uh, we don't directly work with kids, but the purpose of our organization is for children and their learning. And so for the sake of their learning, some years ago they decided that our organization needed to factor in race along with some other things. Okay. So now they're going to make this decision where race is involved, but they don't really have the competencies to understand race. So the organization has not built those competencies. Okay. And I was just hired back in the summer. Um, so there are people in our organization who could handle this conversation better about race, but they weren't invited to the meeting. So... I being there, I chose to not join the conversation for a number of reasons. Philosophically, I believe that I don't want to impede someone else's growth. And so I believe these individuals need to develop their capacity to, to understand the dimensions of race, right? If this is, this is what the organization is committed to. These individuals got to develop that capacity. And I didn't want to, I don't want to carry the burden for that. So that was number one. Number two, I believe there are people in the organization before me that have a greater stake in that decision because of, because of the work that they've done in the past. I didn't want to speak up and interfere and not represent 
the historical labor that that has occurred before me. So I contacted those individuals via chat. Like, hey, this is what's happening in this meeting. I want to... I want to, what, what, what is it? Like, what don't I know? Why aren't you here? What should I, what should I offer? I don't want to offer something up that, you know, anyway, it got really messy. Um, because this is a group of people that I don't have the best relationship with. Yet we are the people in the organization that know the most about race and we are all the we're all the in, we are the group of people who are what's called racialized, reduced based on not being the racial majority or the racial elite. We're black, we're indigenous, we're Latin, Latina, right? And we're Asian. Um, so we're not white. We're black, Asian, indigenous, and Lat, uh, Lat, Lat, Latinx. So we're the people who understand it, but we don't have the best harmony because of a number of reasons. I think structurally, I think the organization has not created a, created a space for us to really have harmony. And to be truthful, they have more harmony. I don't. I'm the newcomer. I was just hired in August. I'm the new one. And I am the one that has the most institutional power. out of all of us in that all of us who are quote unquote racialized. Now I was in a big discussion of two weeks ago, everybody technically in a racist structure and a structure that is built on race. Our country was built on race, right? In a country, in a, in an environment that's built on race, everybody is racialized technically, but the way I'm using racialized because I had to explain this is in a reductive manner where you are reduced, your humanity is reduced because of race. You're expected to have less intelligence. You're expected to have less subjectivity. You're expected to be less trustworthy. It's just, it's a, it's reductive. Okay. So being the newest member of this racialized community, I, I am also the one who has the most institutional power because I'm a director or a supervisor. That power has not factored in very well in terms of building community. Now, there are some other things that have impeded my being a part of this community and I'm, which is what came up for me, what I learned this week. But so we're about eight months into the organization. And while I am making some headway in with, um, some of the whites in the organization, I'm not making real headway with the uh, with the uh, BIPOC staff. You know, one I'm making. I'm it's 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 better. It's better than it was, but it's not where I wanted to be. And I'm I'm suspecting I'm suspecting that it's not where they thought it was going to be either, because they were big advocates and champions of me coming on board and actually before they even met me they really fought to make sure that the person that came on um I think I just think they they did a lot of laboring and fighting that paved the way for me to be there and for that I feel 
Um, I feel indebted to them. I feel not in a, not begrudgingly. Like I, I am, I want to do my part. I want to do my part in paying it back and paying it forward. But the lack of harmony is really getting in the way. It makes it very difficult. Okay. I've talked to you about there being an individual where we are, we do not see eye to eye. I've talked about, I've not talked about her a lot, but I've talked about her enough where you can go back and listen, maybe two episodes. Um, I also did an episode where I talked about breaking down crying and I, it was so embarrassing, right? I've talked about that and I connected that to the episode called childhood wounds, right? And I'm like, there must be some wounds here that are surfacing for me. Cause I would, I've never, I just have never cried like that. Um, especially at work and especially with, uh, people I supervise, like it, it's just been very, it's been very odd. It's like, what the hell is that? Okay. So I have been managing that dynamic by doing, being very careful, right? Like checking myself um, because it's a very weird thing to do. It's a very weird thing because there's this, what's called an affinity space, right? So I'm supposed to be in community with people strictly because we are not of the racial majority. Now, that, that's complicated for me. I understand why it exists, but I think that we needed a place that we need somebody who's going to be a facilitator that will help us connect. I'm going to tell you, this is what I think. I think there was no facilitator in this space because of it was assumed that a person would just come in there in that group and just connect, right? Except I'm not an FE user. I'm an FI user and my FI is lower in my stack. And everybody else except one other person in that group, they're feelers. They're feelers. And there are other... <sighs> So I don't think that they ever suspected that there would be a need for a facilitator. And when I asked for that, I asked for it as a human being. I asked for it as a colleague and I, it got shut down. And then I moved forward and I asked for it as a, as a director. And then it didn't, it didn't get, well, they tried to shoot it down. I wouldn't allow it. And there was some tension around it. All right. That has been a big battle. If I had to do it all over again, I'm not sure how I would do it, but I would do it differently. So on some hand, on some level, I'm like, I would do it differently. And then as another level, I would say, no, you had to, you were going to hit that bump. I was going to hit that bump no matter what. I was going to hit that bump no matter what. And it was just, it would just be better to get it out the way. So I don't know. Anyway. So I haven't been processing that for a number of reasons. We're going through a big political shift in our organization. Um, I have been going through a shift with the other two directors. And then I'm going through this thing with my family member, right? You guys know. So I just, I just haven't, I just, that hasn't, the, um, this 
a racialized community hasn't been um, a thing that has captive, captured um, captured my time, but it has been there all the same. So it's been me trying to really walk a fine line on how to still be responsive to that community because I'm very committed to that community. I live, I live in racial justice. I live there. I've been trying to check myself, like, what is it that I need to learn? What is it that I'm doing wrong? Like, it just, I mean, it's just been life-changing for me. Okay. And I think the episode I did with you all called Collisions, Collision, I was going to talk to you about two collisions, one with a family member that's facing a life or death situation, and then I was going to come and talk to you about this other stuff at work. But the the, the family stuff has just been so loud for me that I I have just been like, that that work stuff, you know, it, when I go to work, I pick it up, and when I come home, I've been really just swimming in this this stuff with family and living and death and all of that, right? I mean, you hear it. That's what I've been talking to you about. I think every episode um, since I came back for season six has it's been it's been about that. Okay. So in this meeting that I'm in, where this decision is being made, there's a racial component. I don't have enough knowledge, nor do I have the conviction to weigh in. I then go to the people that I think would want to weigh in. And that online chat didn't go well. It didn't go well for a couple of reasons. But one reason why it didn't go well is because I'm no longer walking, tiptoeing. So I'm no longer tiptoeing in that space. So, and I'm no longer willing to deny some of the harm that I've experienced with this space with these other people who are racialized like I am. So when certain um, characteristics started showing up as they'd have in the past, I, I, I moved about what I would say authentic, um, authentically my FI, I said, I'm going to be authentic, right? That authenticity did not go well in that FE space. It did not go well. It got ugly, but because if this would have been any other group, I promise you, I would have hung up and I would have, like, bounced. But one of the things I, I am committed to is I'm committed to doing right by that community. Even though I think that there are things that they do that are wrong, I'm still committed to doing right by them. Because I think ultimately they're not completely wrong. There are things that I fundamentally disagree with them on, but I'm committed to them. And I believe, I do believe that they're committed to me. I think they just, like a, another friend of mine told me this in my, when I went for the walk, she thinks it's a form of hazing. It's a form of breaking me down so that I can fit in with them the way they believe I should fit in. Now, I'm sure if they heard me say this, they would deny that fundamentally, right? And this is the problem. They deny everything I say. This is what's so sad about it. Like every every theory I bring, every strategy, everything I offer, they they they, um, they belittle it, they deny it, they restrict it, or they ignore it, 
right? But there's not a lot of affirming that happens. As a matter of fact, I asked for one of the young ladies to be more affirming, and she highlighted that as, uh, so I needed to be um, overtly stroked. The And I really want you to, I really wish, and I don't really want this episode to be all about this conversation. But the one thing I really need to say is this. This is a community that's saying, hey, we get beat up and we're being harmed because we are not the racial majority. We're not white. So this group needs to exist in order for us to survive in this predominantly white organization, this group must exist so we can take care of each other. Okay? Now, that's complicated, but I get it. It wouldn't have been my route. It would not have been my initial way of maneuvering. It, I've never maneuvered in a predominantly white organization by having a group like, not a formal group. I've done this by having informal connections. But it's the formalization of this space that I find complicated and confusing, to be quite honest with you. So it's not a work group, but it is a community that is creating some uh, uh, interconnected networks. And that interconnectedness while it doesn't have a formal role in the organization outside of the the twice a month that those individuals go there to have a to jump into that space to support one another to connect to one another that connecting that they do that they do in that space it lives outside of that space and i've not been able to get them to see that it lives outside of that space and it has made it difficult for me to come in and become a community with them. And the reason why they don't understand that is because they don't understand what it's like to not be an F as a, 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 a FE user. They don't understand it. So here's the irony. Here's the irony. This group is formed because theoretically, okay? The group is founded on this idea that being in a predominantly white organization, the white people in the organization can't understand what it's like to be minoritized, to be racialized, right? That's the premise. Because you don't understand it, we need to be with other people who get it. The very people who get it being racialized don't understand what it means to not be an FE user. They don't get it. So then when I bring up my needs as an FI user, it's shot down. This is the irony. And I've watched it. This I've watched this happen in other organizations. When you are black, brown, indigenous, Asian, um, when you go to the racial elite, when you go to the dominant group and you say, hey, this is what's happening to me. This is what I need. The dominant group doesn't have a sensitivity for the minority. Unless that group has done some training, right? So oftentimes the minoritized individual just doesn't get his needs, doesn't get his, need, his or her needs met or their needs met. 
by those in the of the dominant group, so they have to go to someone else who's been minoritized to get it. So then you're like, oh, I just had this experience, and then another person who's minor- minoritized is like, I know exactly what you're going through. I've been through that situation before. There's an automatic relatedness. Okay. But because they all have feeling <laughs> in the top of their stack, feeling F-E, I believe, all but they don't know what it's like to be minoritized racially and minoritized as a cognitive function user. They don't know it. So I've been bringing in Myers-Briggs to that community. It's taken off. It's taken off. There are people I've been told it's taken off, right? I've, I give them a homework. I've been training. I've given them homework assignments for them to dig into it. They, they're taking, they're taking it. I, it's fun. I have to tell them and tell you some of the assignments that I've given them. It's working out. They don't yet understand this component of it. Okay. The beautiful part about the, so it got really heated and it got heated because I made a decision that I was going to stop being an imposter with that group. That if we were going to be, if there was any chance in hell that I was going to have to be my authentic self. So whereas I don't normally have to give people my FI, I decided, no, I'm bringing my FI to the table. That didn't, that wasn't pretty. And it wasn't pretty and it wasn't, it wasn't welcome, not with me being the power holder. Cause I'm the one, I'm the one with the power. But they want me there because they understand I don't have full power. See, so they under, they understand I have some partial power. I have power institutionally, but I don't have racial power. The problem is that it's like a light switch. They are They are in control of when they recognize me as powerful and when they recognize me as powerless. I don't get to control that. They control that. And I'm at a deficit because I don't have the F in my feeling at the top of my stack. This is like the perfect case study. Okay. I am very thankful that we got through that argument, though. I don't know how we got through it. It was very painful. There were tears. Mine, I was spitting. Like I was so, you know, you start talking and then the moisture builds up in your mouth. It was just an ugly, like they saw the very ugly side of me. And I'm running the risk of being in trouble. You know, and then one young one young lady was like, well, if we would have had an HR department, I would have gone to HR on you. None of that feels good for me. So, so I'm in a space where I'm, being asked to come in and be community with them. But at the same time, I've run the risk of being, of getting in trouble because of my power. It's, it is a recipe for disaster. And I just think my desire, my commitment to being authentic and my bandwidth, because I'm dealing with this with my family. I just, I, they just got me. They got me on fullness. They got the fullness of me this week. So anyway, we got through that and we started talking. We eventually, it was hard, but we eventually got over the hump and we got to a place where we were talking. 
And somewhere in the conversation, I said, I was like, let me share something with you all. And I don't want it used against me. Can you give me your word that you will not weaponize what I'm about to share? And I literally had to ask each person, so-and-so, can you, can you commit to me that you won't weaponize this? So-and-so, can you commit to me that you won't weaponize it? You know, I went through it and they said yes. And I, and I, and I shared two stories with them. Now, I knew that those, they were probably looking for something really feeling oriented. I could, I didn't, I didn't have it. I gave them something analytical, right? But I told them about one of the reasons why I'm into the MBTI. I said, it's a lifeline for me because I'm in a world as a woman, I'm in a world where people expect me to be F and I don't have F in my four letter code. I have it in my stack, right? But because it's not in my code, it's not at the top of my stack, right? So I'm going between traits and cognitive functions. All right. And I've always felt odd. I have always felt excluded. I have always felt confused. And it's been very hurtful. I shared that with them. I said, when I took this job, I was excited because this job promotes, it's about diversity and equity. And I thought if there was going to be any place that I could go and be accepted, it would be in an organization that was committed to diversity, inclusion, and equity. And how very painful it has been that an organization that is committed to diversity, inclusion, and equity still is exclu- is still excluding me because I don't have the F in the stack. I told that story and then I told another story about how I was in therapy back up 10 years ago and I went to my therapist with this thing that was bothering me. And what was bothering me is when I realized that my three closest friends, they weren't my best friends, but at that time in my life, they were my three closest friends. They were the people I could pick up the phone. Like, hey, you know, you have those people you can just randomly call. You don't have to schedule time with them. You can say, Hey, I got something to talk to you about. You want to meet up for a beer? My three closest friends were all male, white, and over 60 years old. And at that time I was in my forties. They were 20 years, my senior male, white, and over 60. And I'm like, what the hell? What is that? I may have told you guys this before. And at that time, my therapist was like, she thought it was more about what I, what I was, what I needed in a social setting. What did I, what did I need from a social group? What did I need from a friend? I needed, and I needed to be able to engage in conversations in a particular way that these three older white men allowed me to do. And I needed to be able to talk, have certain topics. I needed to talk about certain things that these three older white men allowed me to do. And they weren't, I didn't interact with them together. I interacted with them separately. They weren't separate friends. Because of my past experience as an executive, the founder of an organization, an entrepreneur, and these were all individuals that were executives. They were all people who had been at, um, at the, like at the hot top of like some kind of power hierarchy. No, I didn't choose them for that. 
not consciously, but more than likely when I would interact with them and I had this relatedness to them when I was talking with them and they weren't correcting me, they weren't debating what I was saying. There was relatedness. And you what happens when you find somebody that you're talking to and they get what you're saying? You talk to them again and you talk to them again, you talk to them again, and then a friendship built. So that's how this therapist explained it to me. Okay. But as a person that's interracial justice, you can imagine why that was dis- disoriented for me. Like, what? Now, I had other friends, but they weren't, I wasn't spending as much time with my other friends of color, if you will, as I was with these three white men. Now, let's, let's not get it twisted. There were other, I'm not, I'm like, I can call any of them right now. Right now, I can call any of them, but we're not, it's, the friendship is not the same. And I'm not in denial about that. Like I wasn't in denial then that there were, there were, there was an undertone of race, gender. And so, um, there were components and probably sexuality, probably. There were components to those connections um, that surfaced in, you know, over time in, in their own ways. Right. And so when those relationships stopped serving the purpose that I was, the uh, its purpose, then I stopped connecting with those men, those gentlemen. Okay. But I shared that with them. And the young lady who I have had the most conflict with said, and I, I'm afraid to ask her to say it again because she may not say it again. And I needed to hear what she, so she said something. I desperately needed her to say it. I didn't know I needed her to say it, but when she said it, it, it spoke to my soul so much that if she denies ever saying it, it would be crushing. So I'm not going to ask her to say it again. But what I heard in that moment, and she said, she said, I think I've been, I came to you with a bias. I had a bias as to how I, what I expected from you as a black woman. Cause most black, most older, that's funny, older, most older black women act like X. I said, nurturing. She said, yeah. And she said, and you're just, you, you're just, you're just, I said, sterile. She said, yes, I don't think I'm sterile, but I think in contrast to other feeling, nurturing black women, I come across like that. And she said, yes, I said, that's, I've heard that before. It's hurtful, but I want to affirm, I can see how you were experiencing me that way. And because she was experiencing me in this non-nurturing, sterile way, she assumed I didn't like her. And this is so sad. This is so sad, y'all. Because I wasn't nurturing her the way she was accustomed to being nurtured by older black women, she assumed I didn't like her. And because she assumed that I didn't like her, there was an element of defensiveness that was coming to the table. But here's, this is the other piece of that. I didn't know that her behavior was quote unquote defensive. I just thought her behavior was 
whatever. And like, I was supposed to just deal with it. And I tried as best as I could. And the more I tried, the more that behavior escalated. It was, it's been eight months of that. It's been a misunderstanding. And it's a, so, it's a sad thing. It's a misunderstanding based on me coming to the table, missing something fundamental that these women need from me. These women who are getting together, bonding racially, where I should be able to bond with them and I can't because I don't have feeling. I don't have, I'm not an F you. I'm not a, I don't have feeling at the top of my stack. And because I'm not an FE user. So FE users get in where they fit in. That was an I hope. That was just big for me, y'all. I told that whole story. That was a big, big, big moment. I don't know what's going to happen with this young lady. I don't know. She says she's going to leave the organization. And I, I did at some point. I said, if you feel that you are a better fit for this organization, I'll leave. Because that's how committed I am. That's how big my commitment is to racial justice. If this woman, this is, this is my F.E., y'all. This is my F.I., rather. These are my values. If this woman who's black is a better fit for that organization and I am getting in the way, I will go look for another job. I will do that for her. I will. I know it sounds crazy. I will do that. And she says it's, it's bigger than me, but it still hurts. It hurts that I would be the person that would be the tip, the catalyst, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. That doesn't feel good. From one black woman to the next, it feels horrible. Horrible. I, but, okay. But it feels good knowing that she understands that I don't know how much she gets it, but I think academically she gets it. She might go and talk to somebody at home and then be like, that's a bunch of BS, right? I don't know. I don't know if she's going to hold on to that. But here's what I'm committed to doing. I'm just going to now understand. I'm going to filter that. When she does something that feels stingy for me, I'm going to say this is the reaction to me not having feeler. That I'm, it's, it's a reaction to her not able to, she's not able to connect to me from F to F. She needs to be able to connect to me as a feeler. And because she cannot connect to me as a feeler, she's given me that T.I. And T.I. is a critical sting for me. It's, it's my critical parent. It's sixth in my stack. And when that happens, I can tee it up. And this is the, this is the loop that we've been in. When I tee it up, that feels bad for her. And this is what makes her feel that she has to go to HR. I'm, I'm not, it's a loop. So this is what I'm going to do. 
I don't care what this chick does. She can all but slap me. I'm that, that, that's a bump, you know. I am going to fall back. I'm falling back. I'm not going to do that with everybody in that group. But with this particular young lady, I'm going to fall back. She may never understand how hard that is. She may never understand what I'm the give, what I'm giving her. But I know. My F.I. knows that's what I'm going to do. I don't know what it's going to look like. But that's what I'm going to do. So I wish I would have understood that early on. This is a painful lesson. And it's painful. So anyway, the next day, I talked to my mom. We went to breakfast and I tried to explain to my mom because this is very, this is exactly what happened with my mother. My mother grew up feeling like she had a daughter that hated her. Because I didn't give her the, I wasn't functioning with an F. She couldn't fathom it. She couldn't fathom that that was, that there was something um, pretty benign happening that just didn't feel good for her. She felt I was withholding intentionally. And my mother, being a young mom, when she had me, went into defensive mode with me and wept and warred with me. And I grew up with a mom that warred with me because I didn't have the F in my stack. So you guys know that episode I did with you all about leadership and wounds and stuff. All of this, all of this is, is a lesson for me. This is my lesson, y'all. This is my lesson. My grandmother used to say, my late grandmother used to say, a bought lesson is better than a told lesson. A bought lesson is better than a told lesson. That means some lessons you can get when somebody tells you, hey, don't touch that fire. That fire is hot. Don't touch it. And you're like, okay, you told me once. I don't have to touch it. I believe you. I'm not going to touch the fire. I'm not going to get burnt. But there are some lessons that you can't get if somebody tells you. You can only get it once you experience it. I have to touch it. I have to get burnt to go, oh, shit, that, that's hot. That hurt. That hurts. Because you had to buy that lesson. You had to experience it for yourself. And this lesson about me not being an, uh, uh, um, uh, having F at the top of my stack, me not being an F-E user, I got the lesson. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know. And that's the despair I feel. So if you go to the, um, um, go to the YouTube video that I uploaded or where I will upload it called the pesky TE, or excuse me, the pesky FE. Because that's language that Lijo used in that YouTube video that I responded to. Um, I talk about the despair that is a feeling of helplessness. Like, what do you do when you don't have that function? What do you do when you don't have FE? And the world is dependent on you needing it. Okay, I know this would be the perfect place to stop this uh, episode and do a part two. But usually when I do the second part, it never goes well. 
So I'm going to just linger here and um, it's going to be a longer episode. So take a break. <laughs> Go get you some some soda, some some wine for me because I'm not indulging these days. So go have a glass of wine for me and then come back, okay? <laughs> because I'm going to move into the, what I think the the growth point is for me. Or, and I, it's hard because I don't know what I'm going to do. But this is the point. This is the point. Seasons of growth Change, disruption, and discomfort culminate in opportunity and reward. The greater your period of growing, the greater the new opportunities will be. So let me read something else. With any disruption, there is always discomfort. That's what this the last eight months has been. This has been a discomfort, and it's related to F.E., I didn't know where to center the problem with these women. I didn't know where to, I didn't know how to define it. It's F-E. And so it would be awesome if I could get them to understand it. Not agree, but if I could get them to name that function. I would name that conflict. It would be nice, but I I don't know if that's not a lesson for them. That's a lesson for me. I don't know what I'm going to do, but but if I want the rewards and the and new opportunities, I am going to have to go through the discomfort. And I guess I'm thinking the discomfort is going to be a disruption. But I don't know what the disruption is going to, it's supposed to be. I do know there's discomfort. And I do know I'm willing to go through. I do want the reward on the other side. I just don't know what I'm supposed to disrupt. I really don't. So let's rewind a little bit. At the end of 2022, you know, I was sitting in the car. I was in the South. I did about five episodes on travel five or six and I did one on racial reconciliation which which does tap into this this thing that I've been struggling with this little community at the job um I did one on uh uh the executive I did one on the totem like and I said that this 2023 is about me being building like the infrastructure building the life that I want Building it, building the infrastructure for that. And there is a certain element of social that I need. And because I don't need a lot of it, I don't prioritize it. And then until I need it. And then when I need it, the, the, the social's not there because I'm not invested in it. So 2023, 2023 has, has been in my mind about building the infrastructure so that I can have the life that I want. And part of that means having social that is comprised of my authenticity, my who I really am. 
And that isn't just, okay, okay, let me clean this up. In that episode I call The Executive, that's what that's about. It's about building a social that understands me as a TE user. And FI. I didn't say FI, but I should have. Now, if we rewind about five, four years ago, I went through this learning curve all of my 40s about my tertiary function, FI, introverted feeling. And a few years ago, when I turned 50, I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be in spaces where I, I'm not going to be in social spaces where I can't, that my FI is not going to be protected. Like the things that are important to me as an FI user, although tertiary is still important. I'm not going to be denied being, of having an authentic self. I'm not going to be denied my fragility. I'm not going to be denied my subjectivity. I'm not going to be denied my humanity. I'm not going to do it. And that's what I did for so long, for so many years, decades, that I centered myself as a thinker, didn't know the system, but that's what I was doing. Because FI is tertiary, I don't need to put that out front. So I was wrapping, wrapping myself in being rational, effective, logical, confronting, dominant, all of that. Even so much that I wasn't even confront embracing myself as an introverted intuitive. Because for a long time I was like, oh, I'm an, I'm an XNJ. Yep, the test is telling me I'm an INTJ, but I'm, I can sometimes be an ENTJ, right? You guys have heard me poke fun at that, where I'm like, I'm both. I'm an INTJ and I'm an ENTJ. That's not possible with the system. But I was leaning so much into that. The TE part of me, that that's what was happening. So I stopped it. I stopped leaning so much into the TE part of me. I started making space for the introverted part of me, the NI, the FI, all that's fine. To the point where I built relation, so that if there was going to be anybody in my life that was going to allow me to give them my FI, they weren't able to handle my TE. So I ended last year just saying, that's not acceptable. I got to get back to building relationships with people who allow for the TE. But this is what I'm realizing. This is what I'm realizing in this part of this reflection. I was going to say as I'm about to close. Maybe I'm about to close. I don't know. But here's what, here's what I'm realizing. The axis. The TEFI is on an axis. Authenticity isn't just about my feelings. Authenticity is about me as a thinker woman. It's both. So as I learned to do social, I got to learn how to give both, give the full axis without and build community. But how am I going to do that? I have no idea when I think about the consequences. What, what is the lesson? Okay. I'm going to close. I'm going to, I can see it. I can see it because I want to just say, I'll tell you a couple more things and I think I'm done. Um, you've been hearing me talk about TEFI. That's in the Myers-Briggs system. I'm going to jump now and go to the Enneagram. In the Enneagram, I'm an eight. You also know that I've been in last, based on how I've been showing up with my family and with this crisis, I see a little bit of t type one in me. Right? This val, the values part of me is really being stirred up right now. 
type one. Okay. In that system, when we confront something, when an eight confronts something that it can't confront, it regresses to a type five. It withdraws. She withdraws. He withdraws. They withdraw. You guys know the pronouns. I got to get that. Got to get together. I didn't realize I'm in a state of withdrawal right now. So ironic. I noticed this uh, right around, I would say October, November, where I was spending a lot of time in the house. And I said, huh, I'm not really going anywhere. I'm like, the whole weekend, I'm in the house. And I'm thinking, that's because you're tired you had a really difficult job in the first the first half of 2022 you're just tired you're just rest, resting but that hasn't changed i can go the whole weekend and i'm not i'm not leaving the house i'm not going anywhere during the week i was you know i had standing i had a standing friendship date with this person on Wednesday, on Thursday. I'm not doing any of that. I have one standing thing that I do outside of the house, and that's Wednesday. And I was going out of the house about three, and I work from home. So that complicates it. And then the weather's cold. I get that. Maybe that's what. And it didn't occur to me until this morning. I've retreated because I don't know how to confront. I am unwilling to not bring my tea to the table and I'm not willing to have FI vulnerabilities. I'm not willing to do that in my, I'm not willing to do it. I'm sure there's something I need to know. I'm sure there's something I need to do better. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what the lesson is. Other than it's, I got to do it. I've got to fix it. Fix it. I really wish I had a way of putting a bow on this reflection. I don't know what it is, though. And so I am, I think I'm going to have to continue to do a couple of things. I'm going to have to continue to, I think where I ended last year was true. This TE withdrawing that I've been doing because the people in my life don't like it, then that, that this is primarily family and I thought, I think a significant portion of this was because I came back into the workforce as a teacher. I was gone for a while after being at the top of my game. I came back almost at the bottom of that hierarchy because the schooling system is very hierarchical. I came back as a teacher. I didn't come back completely, you know, because of the degrees I hold and the my experiences I have, but I, it's been a lot of conflict. 
So on some level, I'm like, I'm fine. Just let me teach until I retire. But the hierarchy didn't like the fact that I was sitting in that spot. They weren't going to leave me alone. They they weren't going to leave me alone. Because they also wanted the expertise and the knowledge that I had. It was bizarre. So I had to, so the last four years, every job you hear me, I've started a new job every year, the last four years. I'm not proud of that. Do you know what that's going to look like on my resume? It's horrible. But I, if somebody asked me what it's been about, I've been trying to get climb back up, trying to climb back up to get a position that's, that what's the word? Commiserate? No. What's the word? A position that is in alignment with my skill set, my degrees, and my experience. Um, so all of the people that I was meeting as a teacher, those really weren't my peers. Not because I'm better than them. That they just have. They didn't make the investment in their education in their. Work experience. They didn't make the same investment. They made a different investment. Maybe they made an investment in being a parent, right? It's just maybe they made investments in traveling. Maybe they made investments in fashion. Maybe they made, I mean, there are other things that you can make investments on. But we weren't peers. And those individuals didn't really connect to my TE. So I've been doing a good job taking jobs that allowed me to to lean into the TE, allowing me to be who I am as a TE user at the top of the stack. It's not the top, it's second. So that's good. But that hasn't been, it hasn't related yet into my social world yet. It hasn't translated into my social world. And so as I... I try to close. I'm trying, y'all. I just really want, I really want to know the lesson. I really want it before I end this conversation. But as I try to close, I think one thing I can say for sure, that I am going to continue with that commitment to build a social life that honors my TE. But so that's what I talked about in December. And today will also honor the fact that I am an introverted feeler and it's tertiary. And as an introverted feeler, I'm going to move about in spaces. And maybe that's the lesson. It's not the fact that F is not at the top of the stack. It's that I'm an introverted feeler and it's third. Because if I was a tertiary FE, it would look different. I would still move about differently. I think the lesson is that I'm an introverted feeler. And I, I have to build relationships based on that T-E-F-I axis. And I've got to figure out what that means. I don't know if the relationship with those women at the job will ever get better. I am, I have vowed, I am going to be committed to that young lady. I'm going to be committed to all of them, but I'm going to per- be particularly committed to her. Because I understand, I understand, it's sad. It's sad that she relegated me to a box, this box of how a black, an older black woman is supposed to act. That's sad. But she's young. No one ever told her that all black women don't act that way. 
I'm going to look out for her. I'm going to do that. But that's professionally. That doesn't help me socially. I don't know. But I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying to build, figure it out so that this year will really be about building the infrastructure. So I'm not trying to build that infrastructure in 2024. I need to build it now. I got to figure it out. And it can't be void of T-E-F-I. It just cannot be. So maybe that's the lesson. And the labor that's going to come from trying to build that is going to be uncomfortable. And maybe that's what I have to disrupt. Maybe I have to disrupt my comfort. I've got to disrupt my comfort, my introverted comfort. That's what it is. I've got to interrupt, disrupt my introverted comfort. So I got to get out there with people. <laughs> I got to go out there and kiss a whole, a lot of frogs to find my prince or my princess in, in terms of social, platonically. But hell, we can throw romantic in there as well. I got to kiss a lot of frogs before I find my person. And that's uncomfortable. <laughs> I got to get out of the, the womb of my house. My house has become a womb. I got to interrupt that. I don't want to. I got to get out of this with, withdrawal. It was okay to go into a five space temporarily, but I can't live here. And, you know, I'm back thinking I might need to leave. I might need to leave the state again. I don't know. We'll see. But I feel better. It is interrupting that. You know, I thought the lesson was going to be about deep insecurities. And maybe it is. I don't. It's about knowing that I am going to be rejected because I'm not an FE user. But I don't even feel like that's the end of the world, as long as I remember that that's why I'm being rejected. You know, when I talked to my mom yesterday and, you know, she was just like, well, maybe you shouldn't just talk about so many, so serious things all the time. I was like, ma, you, you think that what I'm talking about is serious. What I'm talking about, it, for me, it's not serious. It's just, it's just what I'm interested in. But instead of me trying to push me on people who don't want me, who people who don't want me as an FI user, I've got to find myself with people who do want me as an FI user and a DE user. And that means I'm going to have to go through a lot of frogs. A lot of frogs. That's what I'm going to name this episode, Kissing Frogs. <laughs> oh, oh i got to go through a lot. i got to come out of the house. I got to kiss a lot of frogs so I can find my people. <sighs> you guys, <laughs> it is reflection about um, the, just the feeler, just the, the F-E-F-I tension, um, being rejected as an F-I user, um, Being inept, like just feeling really socially inept because I don't have that as a woman of what you have to do to be comfortable, to, to get the reward. 
to face new opportunities. In order to get to new opportunities, you got to become uncomfortable. If this conversation relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share with those participants. And my God, if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear that. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Twitter, yournidom1. I tweeted out a lot of articles as I was prepping for this conversation with you all today because I was lingering, lingering in the insecurities. So initially, that's what I thought I was going to talk to you all about. You can, And there's an article that talks about what creates insecurities, how you were raised what you've experienced, how you've experienced any kind of trauma or failure. And that's all true for me, but that doesn't feel, I don't feel weighted down by that. That's not what it was. I don't, I feel like I'm confronting those things. I've taught, I confront failure. I'm confronting trauma. I think it's the ineptness that I feel with not having FE. That's the problem. So, yeah, if, yeah, I don't know where I left off in that, but let me give you your assignment. Hold on one second. I'm going to read two sentences that I didn't read before. The alternative to not growing. The alternative is to avoid growing and remain the same. This results in stagnation and decline. The only choice for forward-looking leaders and businesses, and I'm going to say people, let me replace those words. The only choice for forward-looking people is a simple one, embrace growth and opportunity. This challenge that I've had at this job is making me confront the real work. I've got to find my axes I got to find my axes, folks. So when I said my totem people, people at the top of their game, that's true because that's the T-E me. But it also means people at the top of their game who are going to embrace that I'm an introverted feeler. And I got to do the work. And I've not been doing the work. I've been working on losing weight, y'all, and... You know, I haven't, I haven't told you I'm at 12 pounds. I don't know if I told you guys. I'm at 12 pounds. Hold on. That's a big deal. <laughs> that's a big deal. Um, but, um, and that's taken a lot of work for me, like making sure I get, you know, I got to walk, you know, um, you know, got to get my steps in. You got to make sure I cook my food. I got to eat at a certain time. I got to not eat at a certain time. I got to go grocery shopping, right? All of that is taking time. Um, and then the stuff with my family, you know, and, and now, you know, being a, getting ready to be a care, you know, helping with appointments. Um, there's some childhood wound stuff that's coming up with this. You know, so there's an element of rejection that I'm experiencing all over again. But the beautiful thing about it is that I have my own house. I have a place that I've created, my womb, the place I can come to and be very comfortable and taken care of. So when that rejection happens in that space of my life, I come home and I recharge and I replenish myself. And that's fine, but I can't hide here. 
I got to do, I got to add to the work. So there's a work. All right. So let me give you your assignment. What is your labor? What is your labor? Um, what is the thing that you have to disrupt and you have to be uncomfortable with? What is it? Because the reward and the opportunity is on the other side. I think what's going to be hard for you to answer this question is until you have the pain point that I had. See, I had to confront, I had to confront, confront this excruciating pain of the job for me to learn to get this lesson. So I don't know if you're going to fully be able to understand your labor, the thing that you have to disrupt and the thing you need to become uncomfortable with if you don't have that pain point. I don't know. Maybe you can do it without it. So your assignment is, what is your labor? What do you have to labor in? There's something that you want. There's a, there's an other side. There's a promised land. There's, how do you get there? Assuming you've defined it, how do you get there? And what do you have to interrupt? And what do you have to come become uncomfortable with to get there? This doesn't feel like a pretty assignment, but I think it's important. And I hope you guys really, really take advantage of it. I think this is important. All right. What is your labor? What is your labor? Um, for transformational growth. What is your labor for transformational growth? I'll say it one more time. What is your labor for transformational growth? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Did I tell you how to get in touch with me? I said, you're in IDOM, you're in Twitter, you're in IDOM 1, Facebook, and YouTube, you're in IDOM. Anyway, you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.